Hello everybody and welcome to the Citizen Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to work through our current series, Step by Step, which is all about advancing. So if you haven't listened to the full series, you can go back and listen to that in the previous episodes. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy and we'll get straight into it. Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to be with you. As Ryan said, my name is Brie. I'm part of the team here. And we have been working our way through a series called Step by Step, which is all about stepping into our culture as a church and how we can advance through that. Well, we're coming to the end of the series now at the penultimate week, and we're going to be looking at one of our culture codes, generosity. And before I get started, just to clarify, this is not a giving talk. I'm not going to ask you to give me your money. But we're going to go through why we, choose, uh, why we choose generosity as a community and why it's so important. The word fellowship in the Bible is a Greek word. It's the word koinonia. I had to ask Mark about that one. Koinonia is such an important word. It is translated in many different ways because fellowship has so many different facets to it. And in the Bible, you will notice that koinonia is translated not just as fellowship, but it's also translated as community. It's translated as participation. Koinonio, which is the verb, is translated as contribution. It's translated as generosity. So all four of these are so important because they are essential elements of fellowship. If you and I are going to have fellowship together, there has to be a sense of community. There has to be participation on my part and on your part. There has to be a contribution. I have to make a contribution in your life and you similarly make a contribution in my life. And there has to be generosity. You cannot have community without generosity. We can be generous with our time, with our energy, with our money and our resources. So you can't really enjoy community without these other things, participation, contribution, and generosity. Let me show you a few examples from the Bible. The first verse is from Philippians. It says, you became my partners in giving. The phrase partners in giving is one word in Greek. It's the word koinonio. So partners in giving is the same word for fellowship. And in Hebrews it says, keep doing good and sharing your resources. The phrase sharing your resources, that's the same word for community. That's the word for fellowship. It's koinonio. So sharing your resources is the same word for fellowship. Another one in 2 Corinthians says, they begged us to let them have the joy of giving their money for God's people. The phrase joy of giving their money is actually the word for fellowship, for community. It's koinonio. Joy of giving their money is the same word for fellowship. And then one more in 1 Timothy says, be generous and willing to share. And the phrase willing to share is just one word in the original in the Bible. It's the word koinonio. So willing to share is the same word for fellowship. So you can't have community without generosity, and we can't dive into our culture and learn how to be better as a community without looking at how to be generous. Carl Menninger is a famous psychiatrist, and he said this, generosity is one of the essential components of mental health. We have found that generous people are rarely mentally ill. So today, in the interest of, those, of our mental health of those around us, we're going to look at how we can be more generous with one another. 
The first reason why is because generosity creates community. In 2 Corinthians, it says, your generosity not only provides for the needs of God's people, but also produces prayers of thanksgiving to God. When we are generous to each other, we thank God for one another, and we therefore become closer to each other. You can see the connection between generosity and community. The Bible says this, your heart will be wherever your treasure is. In other words, wherever I put my time, my money, my effort, and my energy, wherever I invest myself, that is what's going to attract me. Wherever you put your time and your money, that is where your heart is. And if I'm being completely honest, if you look at my bank statement and my browser history, my heart belongs to H&M and Zara. <laughs> so any time that I am generous with you or I'm generous with the poor or I'm generous with God or I'm generous with anybody, that is where my heart tends to go. And every time I give it to God, it draws my heart closer to God. And every time I give it to you, it draws my heart closer to you. So giving or generosity creates community. Number two, generosity defeats materialism. The more I'm generous with you, the more it defeats materialism in my life. Would you agree that we live in a culture of materialism? Now, the antidote to materialism, there's only one, and it's generosity. And every time that you are generous, you have a, a spiritual victory in your heart. Every time you are generous, your heart grows. It doesn't shrink. Every time you are generous, you break the grip of materialism on your life. Why? Because materialism is all about getting. It's all about get, 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 get. And it's my nature to get and to hold on. And God says every time that you share with a friend, share with your family, share with a neighbor, or you're generous with anybody, you break the grip and defeat materialism in your life. That is hard. We live in a world full of materialism. But God calls us to live counter-culturally. The Bible says in Matthew, you cannot serve both God and money. <laughs> Notice it does not say should not. It says cannot. It's an impossibility. You can't say that making money is number one and God is number one. You have to choose one, number one. So anytime you are generous with other people, you are creating community and defeating materialism. Number three, generosity strengthens my faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, your giving proves the reality of your faith. There are more promises in the Bible about giving than there are about any other subject. In fact, God talks more about giving in the Bible than he does about heaven or hell. Why? He wants us to become more like him. God is a generous God. You would have nothing in this life. I would have nothing in this life if it were not for the generosity of God. I would not take my next breath if it were not for the generosity of God. And God says, I want you to learn to be like me. I am generous with you, and I want you to learn to be generous with other people. You know, the word believe in the Bible is used 270 times. The word pray is used 371 times. God wants us to pray. The word love is used 714 times in the Bible. God wants you to learn to love. But the word give is used 2,162 times. He wants you to learn to be generous. In 2 Corinthians, it says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
Now, you know this principle because it's true in everyday life, whether you're a Christian and you believe this or you don't. You've probably heard somewhere along the way, you reap what you sow, or what goes around comes around. If you're judgmental to other people, the likelihood is other people will be judgmental of you. If you're critical of other people, the likelihood is they will be critical of you. If you gossip about other people, other people will gossip about you. Whatever you give out, you are going to get back. If you're giving out encouragement and affirmation and kindness, people will be encouraging and affirming and kind to you. And similarly, if you love other people, people so love back to you. God wired the universe that way. You know, the Bible is full of teachings that Jesus does, full of analogies and stories. Over one third of them are about farming. He talks about sowing and reaping all of the time. It's a basic principle throughout the Bible. Did you know the best thing that God ever gave you was a seed? Whether that's in the form of time, talent, or treasure. And you know, we live in a culture where we have learned to be self-sufficient. Or we've learned to protect the seed when we should be sowing it. Did you know that the seed outside of the soil cannot grow? And to be a harvest, there has to be a seed sown. And so many people are praying and believing and waiting for a forest when they haven't yet planted a seed. What are you sowing today? You grow what you sow. If you're struggling being a parent right now, sow into somebody else's family. If you're struggling financially, sow into somebody else's finances. Sooner or later, you have to ask yourself that question, am I going to trust God when he says in his promises, he says, I will take care of all of your needs if you'll be generous. The reason he asks us to do that is because it's the complete opposite of human nature. It's my nature to hoard, to stockpile, to keep it all for myself and be insecure and say, I can't give anything away. I have to keep it all because how will I take care of myself? So therefore, generosity, it strengthens my faith. What can God trust you with? Jesus says life does not consist of what you collect, it's what you give. So what happens when I start becoming a more generous person? In 2 Corinthians it says, God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything that you need and plenty left over to give joyfully to others. He said, if you will practice generosity and be generous to other people, I will give you everything you need. Plus, I will give you more to bless others joyfully. God is looking for channels to use. He is looking for people to say, God, use me to be a blessing to other people. Because most people get it and they keep it. They don't get it and pass it on. And God says, if you learn to be generous, I will bless you more than you can imagine. Number four, generosity is an investment, and it blesses me in return. It not only creates community and defeats materialism and strengthens my faith, it blesses me in return. It is stated over and over again in the Bible that if you are a generous person, you will be blessed. 1 Timothy 6 says, Tell the rich to use their money to do good, giving happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. If you have food in your fridge, clothes on your back, a roof on your head and somewhere to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the world's population. If you have money in the bank, your wallet and some spare change, you're in the top 8% of the world's wealthy. 
And if you can read, you are more fortunate than three billion people in the world who cannot read at all. So when it says, tell the rich to use their money, don't leave that for somebody else. There is no greater investment than the kingdom of God. You make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. There's another word for generous. It's the word gracious. God shows his grace by being generous to you. In Deuteronomy, he says, give generously and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Generosity produces happiness. The Bible actually says there is more happiness in giving than receiving. Who is happier in life, the takers or the givers? The givers. The takers are not happy. They are scared to death that they're going to lose everything that they have. God wants us to be happy. He says, I want to produce happiness in your life. And the happiest people are the most generous. And then lastly, generosity makes me more like God. God is generous. And so we have to become like him and be generous too. See, God is a giver. The most famous verse in the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave. You cannot give. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. It's the essence of love, and it's the essence of fellowship. God says, I want you to learn. The whole Bible is about giving. And as I said, God talks more about giving than he does about heaven or hell, because he wants us to be more like him. There's a really famous story in the Bible, and you might have heard it if you grew up in a Sunday school or something like that, but I'm going to read it. And whether you've never heard it before, whether you've heard it a hundred times, I want you to listen, because I think we've got so much to learn from this. It's from Mark chapter 6. It says, By this time it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him, Jesus. This is a remote place, they said, and already it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Jesus takes a little boy's pack lunch. He takes what he has in his hands and he uses it to feed 5,000 men. Notice they don't mention women and children as well. The little boy doesn't get a mention. He doesn't get the glory for providing his pack lunch. He doesn't get a thank you. In fact, I imagine when somebody took his pack lunch and was told it was going to be shared with 4,999 other people, he was pretty miffed off. But this is the power. Jesus takes what little we have and he uses it for his glory and to meet the need of those around us. How can we use generosity in order to advance? There's a story in the Bible where Moses is teaching the Israelites the life that God wants for them. And he's talking to them about farming. And he says, when you cut your fields, when you farm your fields, leave the corners. 
and not to pick all their grapes too so that they leave some for those who are in need. In other words, the people who had more were to take care of the people who had less, to leave the corners. You know, being generous doesn't come naturally to us. We've just learned that you cannot have community without generosity. As a child, we say, that's mine. And as an adult, you might say, well, I've I've worked hard for what I have. But where does your ability to work come from? Where does life come from? In our house, we love the show, The Wheel. Is anybody else a fan of The Wheel? No, just me. I was going to sing the theme tune, but everyone's going to laugh at me. We love the wheel, we love the drama. I'll explain it as none of you have ever seen it. By the way, you should watch it, it's great. But they get to the final question on the wheel and they get to pick whether they want to play for the lowest amount, the middle amount, or the highest amount, depending on which celebrity they play with. And so many times the contestants go on and they say, well, I came in with nothing, I've got nothing to lose, I'm going all out. You might have seen it on a different kind of game show. But we love the drama. But you see, we came in with nothing. So we actually have nothing to lose. Everything we have is a gift from God. And it's just about how we best use that for him. God wants us to be reminded that everything we have is from him, that he provides all of our needs, not us. Never forget that. Everything we have is a gift. God is saying through Moses when he's teaching this, don't forget the grace and generosity that has been shown to you. The very character of God is someone who is generous, gracious. He holds nothing back in order to give us life. Sending his son Jesus down for us. And he wants us, his children, to be and do the same. You know, when God gives this instruction about leaving the corners, he doesn't tell them how much of a corner to leave. There's something about us that so often wants to know, how much do I have to do? How much do I have to read my Bible? How much do I have to pray? How much do I have to go to church? How much do I have to give financially? We like to do what we have to do. God just instructs them to leave the corners. You can tell how generous a person is by the size of the corners that they left. You could leave little corners and still comply with the instruction or you could leave big corners and allow many people to benefit from that. I have a piece of paper here. It represents my time, my talent, and my treasure. It currently has four corners that God has given me to bless other people with. I'm going to show you what happens when I start to give those corners away. I do not have enough hands for this. Hang on one second. See, I've decided I'm going to give you a corner of my time, Steve. Come and get my time. There's a corner of my time. What happens is you now have three corners of time to bless somebody else with. And I now have one, two, three, four, five corners of time. Well, let's give some treasure away too. It's going to be messy cutting. Soph, come get some of my treasure. Here's a corner of my treasure. Oh! Soph now has three corners of treasure to bless people with. And I now have one, 
two, three, four, five, six corners and a dodgy indent as well. But you see what happens? The more you use God's gift for his glory, the more he trusts you with. The more I sow, the more there is to reap. We have an opportunity as a community to be generous. We are a diverse community here for all ages and stages of life. And as I said earlier, this is not a giving talk, but I want you to think seriously what you have in your hands. What little you have in your hands and how you could use it for God's glory. Maybe you've been blessed with treasure, whether that's money or possessions. Maybe you have three cars and you don't need three cars. Maybe you know of somebody in this community or in your own life, maybe a student who is struggling financially. How can you use what God has given you to bless them? Maybe you're a student and you don't have much treasure, but you do have some time. Why not offer some time to babysit for a family so mum and dad can go out on a date night and sew into their relationship? Maybe you can cook or make a cup of tea. And you know of somebody who misses having a home-cooked meal or needs somebody to listen. Firstly, that's a talent. When I talk about talents, if you can make a cup of tea and listen to somebody, that's a talent that you can use. How can you use what God has given you for his glory? Maybe you don't know of somebody specific, but just to give you an example, Christmas is coming up. And as a community, we are looking to run Love Christmas. Last year, we ran this and, and we were able to give away nearly 4,500 boxes to students, to refugees and asylum seekers, to mums in hospital and the homeless. This year, as a community, we want to do 10,000 boxes. And they're looking to cost about 10 pounds a head, so you can do the math. That is not money that we have. They're going to take time to pack, time that one person in a week doesn't have. We're going to need people to make the boxes look beautiful, to deliver them in a car, to speak to the recipients of them. In other words, we're going to need to learn to rely on other people's time, talents, and treasure. Giving a corner of your time may make a difference to a young person or an old person. Giving a corner of your talent may help get somebody through a difficult patch. And giving a corner of your treasure may help somebody get back on their feet. Why not trust us in God's provision over this Christmas season? As we go into this week, I want you to ask yourself this question. What has God given me? What have I got in my hands? And how can I use it for God's kingdom? We are blessed with the life that God has given us. And we are called to give life to others. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you didn't already know, then you can join us live on a Sunday. We go live on YouTube at 11.30, or you can join us in person at our 11am or our 6pm at our Cate's campus in Cardiff. Otherwise, I hope you have an incredible week and we'll see you soon.